First Corinthians chapter seven verses twenty-five to forty. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the current crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they did not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and his passions are too strong, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. He should do as he wants. He is not sinning. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as, she, as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Uh, well, last week we had a bit of a look at the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where uh, Paul talks about love, sex and marriage. Uh, And we saw in it that he encourages husbands and wives to love each other, to have sex with each other, uh, and to stick together. Because Paul, like the rest of the Bible, uh, is clear that sex belongs within marriage. Not because the Bible is sort of old-fashioned or prudish, but because God tells us that he created sex to produce children. Uh, Not to freak you out too much, but that is how you got here. Uh, It was your mum and dad, they were having sex, and you are the result. Uh, God created sex to produce children. Uh, But more than that, he created it to unite a man and a woman together, physically, emotionally, psychologically, so that they'd actually stick with each other and raise those children. Uh, Because the Bible, like all the research indicates, Uh, agrees that we generally do better when our father and mother stick together. 
Uh, the Bible recognises that that's what sex is for and that that's what marriage encourages and protects. But that's not all that the Bible has to say about sex and marriage. It's not even all that 1 Corinthians 7 has to say about it. And so today we're going to dig into this second half of the chapter and find out more about love, sex and marriage. Because most of you, after all, are not married. Uh, And I know that although it's wet and wintry outside, it is almost springtime. And your hearts are starting to emerge from hibernation over the long cold months. The thoughts of love are starting to emerge. And you may think that I am joking, but just wait until the weather perks up a little bit and see what it does to your feelings. So what does the Bible say to single people? Is it a good idea for you to get married? When should you do it? When... Uh, To whom should you marry? How do you decide? Well, in verse 25, Paul starts uh, talking about that. He's talked about married people. He's talked about um, widows. He's talked uh, about uh, all sorts of different people. But now he writes about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, he says. But I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for you to remain as you are. Now, when Paul's talking about virgins, he means basically what we mean. uh, People who have never had sex. I guess the difference for him is that he equates that with being married. Whereas in our culture, we've kind of separated the two. No one thinks that you have to get married to have sex. But Paul, like the rest of the Bible, says, yeah, you should. That's actually the place where sex grows and flourishes. Uh, That's what it's made for. And so the question is, should you get married? Paul says he doesn't have a command from the Lord for the Corinthians, uh, but he does have some reliable advice. Should the single Corinthian Christians get married? Well, Paul says... No, at the moment, I think that's probably not a good idea. You think, well, why is that? He says in verse 26, it's because of the present crisis. And you think, well, what is that? What is this crisis? Does he mean like the whole time between Jesus' resurrection and his return is a crisis? Is he advocating that people should not get married at all? Or is it something more specific? Is there some more local crisis that's going on that explains why he's discouraging them from getting married? Well, as it turns out, there's evidence that in AD 51, about the time that Paul wrote this letter, there was actually an immediate crisis in Corinth. Uh, Rome was going through one of its uh, periodic hiccups with grain shipments from North Africa. And there was a famine in Corinth. Probably not a uh, everyone's dying kind of famine, but more of a everyone's just scraping by. We're spending everything that we've got just to stay alive. And so Paul's advice in verse 27 is, are you pledged to a woman? That is, are you engaged or betrothed? Do not seek to be released. So just extend the engagement until the famine's ended. Are you free from such a commitment? 
Well, don't look for a wife. This is not the time to make life more difficult for yourself, he's saying to them. It's just cheaper and easier to live with your parents. That's a lot easier and cheaper than getting married and forming a new family. So, should you get married? Well, Paul's saying that takes some wisdom. If you did marry, would you be able to survive as a new family? You might love each other heaps. You might be really keen on sex. But can you look after each other financially? Doesn't sound particularly romantic, but it is realistic. It may not sound romantic, but you do have to kind of crunch the numbers. If we got married, could we look after each other? Could we provide for each other? Could we survive? And because of the present crisis in Corinth, Paul says, maybe better not to get married just at the moment. Although, he says in verse 28, if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned. It's not wrong to get married. It's just going to make your life more difficult, he says. Particularly, it'll be tough for the next few years while there's famines going on. It may be unwise to get married. It may even be foolish But it's not wrong. But, he says, those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. And can I tell you that as a married guy, that is true. (laughs) Marriage is a great blessing. It's a great gift from God. But it doesn't solve every problem. And, in fact, it creates a whole bunch of problems that you've probably never even thought about. You may need to work to provide for your husband or your wife, to provide for your kids. In all likelihood, they're going to get sick from time to time. They might get very sick, dangerously sick, cripplingly sick. Sick in a way that puts enormous pressure on you. You're going to have to think about how you'll care for them physically, emotionally, psychologically, in sickness and in health. And if God blesses you with children, then you're going to have to do all that kind of stuff for them as well. You're going to have to think through all these issues of the ups and downs of life, of crying with them when they're hurt, disciplining them when they're doing wrong, supporting them when they're under attack. If you think back to what you were like when you were 14 or 15 or something like that, well, your kids will probably be much the same. And you probably weren't that great a person to have to share a house with when you were that age. There are all sorts of things that single people never have to deal with that married people do. Paul's quite right. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And here's the thing, he says. That's not true just of this present crisis in Corinth. It's actually true of life in general. There will be tribulation, to use the word that Paul uses in Greek. And in fact, the Apostle John says that we're all living in the middle of what he calls the Great Tribulation. The whole time between Jesus' resurrection and his return, when Christians will suffer, they will be persecuted, life will be difficult as we wait for Jesus to return. The Corinthians were facing a famine, but they're also, like us, facing trouble, hardship, 
famine, persecution, as we wait for the end of the world as we know it. Have a look at verse 29 there. It says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. Or halfway through verse 31, this world in its present form is passing away. Because Jesus has died, he's been raised into heaven. He's, uh, sorry, he's died, he's been raised from the dead, he's ascended into heaven. And the only thing left to happen is for him to return to judge the world and transform it into the new creation. And Paul's saying the time is short. That could literally happen at any moment. We're into the final seconds of extra time. We're waiting for the referee to blow the final whistle. And that has massive implications for life and sex, for marriage and singleness. Verse 29, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. Because the world in its present form is passing away. And that relativises the importance of all these other things. They're no longer of ultimate importance. The things of the world shouldn't engross us. We can't keep them. So we shouldn't desperately be trying to hang on to them. We shouldn't be living for them. The things that cause us to mourn will soon disappear. But so will many of the things that we tend to rely on to make us happy, including marriage. The marriage is a good gift from God, says Paul, but it's not eternal. All our marriages will end one way or another, through death or through Jesus' return. And marriage in this life is just a shadow, one that passes away. But it's a shadow that's cast by the reality of Jesus and our union with him. That's actually what marriage is about. That's what it points towards. It's the union between Christ and his bride, the church. And it's that union that will last forever. But do you see the implications of that if you're single? Because it means that if you never get married, if you never have sex, then you haven't missed out on the best God has to offer. Because sex and marriage were only ever good. They were never best. Being united to Jesus, that is actually the best. That's the thing that lasts. That's the thing that sex and marriage actually point towards. They're just the scale models. Our union with Jesus is the reality. Marriage and sex won't complete your life. They won't provide you with ultimate meaning or fulfilment or security. Only Jesus can do that. So you don't have to worry that if you never get married, if you never have sex, that your life will be incomplete. You've actually got an eternity stretching out before you of not the shadow, but the reality. An eternity of perfect intimacy and joy and love between you (coughs) and Jesus and all believers. (coughs) Excuse me.
So if this world is passing away, if marriage is just a shadow of Christ in the church, should you get married? Well, Paul gives us three more things to consider. Firstly, he says, when it comes to considering marriage, you need to know that being single has heaps of advantages. Check out verse 32 there. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. So if you're single, then you can be single-minded about serving the Lord. You don't have a husband or a wife to consider. I mean, of course, you can still serve the Lord if you're married, but Paul's point is that marriage puts serious limitations on how you can serve the Lord. If you're single, you can pretty much do whatever you want, when you want, and how you want. You just think to yourself, well, what do I feel like doing right now? Well, I might go and buy some lunch. I might head out with my friends tonight. I might just go home and flake out in front of the telly. But when you're married, you can't just go and do whatever you want. Because you've got another person you've got to consider. (coughs) The money that you spend on buying your lunch is money that they can't spend on buying necessities. You need to consider whether it's okay for you to go out whether your husband or wife will be happy with that. Maybe they want to come. Or are they expecting you to be home for the night? Will they need the car? Or do you get to have it? There's all sorts of things that you don't even have to think about as a single person. You just go do it. You do whatever you like. But if you're married, there's all these complexities. And we haven't even talked about children being in the factor and how you've got to consider them. If you're single, you're much more free to serve the Lord however you want. You want to join a sports team to see if you can share the gospel of Jesus with people there? Well, go for it. You don't even really have to think about it much. You've got no couch potato husband that you've got to drag along with you. You want to go on a beach mission or serve on an SU leavers camp? Well, you don't need to check with your wife to see if she's interested in that kind of stuff. If you're single, you can just go. Want to spend time with your non-Christian friends watching the latest movie? Just go do it. You don't have to consult with anyone. But do you see what Paul's saying? If you're single, not only are you not missing out on anything of ultimate importance, you'll actually have heaps more capacity to serve Jesus, to tell people about him before he returns and face his judgment. So, he says, it's better to stay single than to marry. But, remember, this is Paul's advice. This is not a commandment. It's good advice, but it's not something that you have to... It's not advice you have to take. He says in verse 35, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So, you're totally free to get married. Uh, That wouldn't be a sin... Marriage is a good gift from God. But while most of you are still single, 
it's important for you to hear that marriage is a good thing because it's a shadow of the best thing. That marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. But singleness actually gives you more capacity to serve Christ and his church. In verses 36 to 38, Paul stresses that people really are free to marry uh, if they want to, because he knows that uh, there are some people who are going to struggle to serve God if they don't get married. It's all about not having your attention divided. So if you're uh, married, your attention on serving the Lord is divided because you've got to think about your spouse. But there's the potential as well if you're single for your attention to be divided. If you are just so filled with desire that you can't think straight, that could be a problem. So have a look at verse 36. He's writing here uh, to the people who are most likely to struggle with this, the people who are already engaged. He says, If anyone's worried that he might not be acting honourably toward the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. So you can see what Paul is driving towards here about love, sex and marriage that it's actually all about faithfully serving Jesus. That's what life is about. If you can serve God faithfully as a single person, go for it. You're going to have lots more opportunities to do it as a single person than as a married person. But if you find that your desire for sex is so strong that you're tempted to the brink of sexual immorality, then by all means, you don't need to be a hero. Get married. On the other hand, if the engaged couple aren't struggling with sexual temptation, he says, they've made up their mind not to get married at this point, then great, don't get married at the moment, he says. That would be a good decision given the crisis in Corinth. To quote Paul in verse 38, So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. He's talking to engaged couples here, but I think in our culture it probably has relevance to dating as well. Um, We tend to, you know, different cultures have different ways of finding husbands and wives. Uh, I guess in our culture we tend to do it by dating, and that can be a helpful way to find out whether you can marry someone or not. But it does create the risk, like engagement, of creating over-the-top sexual temptation. That means that if you do go out with someone, you need to be careful about that and not put yourself in situations where you're going to create those problems. We've got this whole idea of dating as being sort of this intimate one-on-one thing, but actually that's a really crummy way of working out what someone is actually like. The best way of working out what people are like is to see how they treat other people. Any guy, trust me, can put on a show for a little while when it's just you and him. Most of us can hold it together for that long. It's when you put us in the situation with other people that you see what we're really like. How do we actually treat other people? It's the same with girls, I suspect. You can put on a show long enough to impress the guys, but what are you actually like around other people? Do you treat them well or are you just a pain in the butt? That's a very useful thing to work out before you commit to marrying someone. 
So hang out together with friends. Don't put yourselves in a situation where you'll be tempted. Marriage is the place for sex, he says. But if you've decided that you want to marry that person, well, get on with it. Stop mucking around. No need to have a super long engagement. Just go get married. I said last week that um, in Australia, the average marriage now costs over $36,000. Not marriage, sorry, wedding. The average wedding costs over $36,000. That's insane. (laughs) And it's one of the reasons that people hold off on getting married. It's so expensive. But it doesn't need to be. You can do marriages very cheaply. Less than $1,000, I reckon. It can be done. You've just got to give up on being the prince or the princess. You've got to care more about the other person than you do about yourself. It doesn't matter what your present crisis is, whether you're both still at uni or you haven't got a deposit for a house or you're facing a famine, your sexual purity is actually more important than those things, he says. So blokes, can I encourage you that if you're in that situation with a girl, pop the question. Stop mucking around. If you're going to marry her, ask her. If you're not, get out. Stop leading her on. And girls... There's no reason you can't do the same thing. Nothing in the Bible that says you can't pop the question to the guy. That's just one of our weird Western uh, things. You can ask them, hey, would you like to marry me? And you'll have a cool story. (laughs) But if you've decided that you don't want to get married, just stop leading them on. Be honest, show some integrity, dump them. Do it gently, (laughs) do it kindly, but don't keep them hanging on. Stop arousing their hopes and desires. Let them go. Find someone else that they could marry. Stop Stop stuffing them around. The last thing Paul says in this chapter is actually to widows in verses 39 to 40. Uh, And he basically repeats what he's been saying the whole way through, that life will probably be easier if you stay single. But you are free to marry. The one new thing that he adds is the command that he must belong to the Lord. That is, if you're a widow and you can get married again, you want to get married again, you're free to, but they've got to be Christian. I say it's a new command, but it's not really, is it? It's actually been implicit the whole way through the chapter. If what drives Paul's advice through all this is how you can best serve the Lord, then it's obvious that marrying someone who's not a Christian is a bad idea. Marrying anyone will limit your flexibility and capacity in serving. Marrying anyone, sorry, will limit your flexibility and capacity in serving Jesus. But marrying a non-Christian will totally cripple it. With the best will in the world, they cannot help you to follow Jesus. They can't actually encourage you to serve him. And you can't work together as a team for the sake of the gospel. You just end up like a pair of horses trying to pull a carriage, but going in opposite directions. And you'll end up torn between your loyalty to them and your loyalty to Jesus. Now, if you care about serving Jesus, find someone who is willing to pull in the same direction as you. 
someone who's got their eyes fixed on Jesus too. And if marrying a non-Christian is off the table, then I think that means we shouldn't even start in that direction. Don't date them. After all, if you can't marry them, then why are you going out with them? It looks to me like it's just for our own egos. Using other people to feel valued and secure and lovable instead of trusting Jesus when he says that you are valued and secure and lovable. It's looking to them instead of trusting him to provide you what you need. It's being half-hearted about serving him when we should be wholehearted. Well, let's sum up what we've looked at today. If you aren't married, what should you do? Should you stay single or should you get married? Well, Paul reckons that it is good to stay single. Our society uh, reckons that as well. I mean, if you're single, you can play the field. But that's not what Paul means. Being single is not an opportunity to play the field. Nor is singleness a problem that needs to be solved. Instead, it's a blessing from God that needs to be taken advantage of for the glory of God and for the salvation of others. Most of you are single at the moment. Have you seriously considered the possibility of staying that way for the sake of the gospel? Trust me, you'll have much better opportunities to serve the Lord. You'll have much more time, much more energy, much more capacity. Yes, that does mean that you won't get married, you won't have sex. But good news, contrary to what our world says, sex and marriage are not the be-all and end-all of life. They're actually just a shadow of the love and intimacy and security that we will all experience in the new creation. All who trust in Jesus are guaranteed of that. So if you're single, use your singleness for good. You can do so much for God as a single person. So instead of pining away, daydreaming about the one, throw yourself into serving the one who gave up everything so you could be united to him. Because that's actually what marriage and sex point towards. They're just a shadow. But Jesus' love for us, that's the reality. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, please help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Well, we've got a little bit of time left. Um, Does anyone want to ask some questions? Ah, yeah. So, at the start of verse 25, yeah. it says, now about virgin. Mm. Is that a different word to the one that she then seems to mean female? Like, later on it seems like when she's talking about the virgins, that's specifically referring to the Yeah, it can mean either in the Greek, so it's not specifically female. You've just got to work it out from the context. So, I think what's happening is that. Um, he starts off talking to the men because in that culture it's primarily the men who get to decide about marriage. So, unfortunately, the girls didn't have much choice.
choice about that. If Dad said, you're marrying that guy, um, that was pretty much it. So he starts off talking to the guys. And then uh, that's why he uh, talks to widows later on, I think, because in that culture, widows are the women who actually get a choice about who they marry or if they marry. Um, so, like, even if you, like, have those passions and stuff, could mm-hmm. it still be, like, God's will that you stay single? Or... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the question is, if you've got those passions, that desire, could it still be God's will for you to stay single? Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you don't need to kind of try and work out what is God's secret plan for my life. Um, all you've got to do is... Uh, try and be wise. If you think that you'd be better off being married, then by all means, ask people to marry you. Uh, And you'll find out fairly quickly whether it is God's will for you to be married or not. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the way you work out whether God wants you to be married or not. You can ask people. Um, Use your wisdom. Yeah. But... You don't have to get married. You're actually free to stay single. And that's uh, a really good option.